folks, this is Bad GM's Campaign Build Along. I'm your host, the Bad GM himself, Wayne Davis. And over the next who knows how many episodes, we're going to build ourselves a Deadlands campaign from scratch using the Deadlands Classic Rules. Those rules, by the way, are the copyrighted material of Pinnacle Entertainment Group, so we're going to give them credit up front, just in case I make any references to page numbers in books or anything like that during today's show. Besides, even if I don't, it's always good policy to give the credit where the credit is due. Now, if you caught episode zero of this show, then you have the background of why we're doing this and what you're going to need. Rather than repeat all of that here, I'm just going to point you in the direction of that episode, which is available where you got this one, theoretically. (laughs) There is one thing I forgot to mention in episode zero that I do need to hit on here. When I was laying out the various versions of Deadlands, I forgot to mention that there is a 20th anniversary edition of the classic rules out there. If you got your hands on one of those, that book will work just fine for our purposes. The only issue will be that if I mention page numbers in the Marshall's Guide, those won't work since you've got both books together in one hardcover. Otherwise, hey, good on you if you've got one of those. But look, if you don't have any books, don't feel like you got to run out and get some. Trust me, this show is going to be plenty easy to follow without it. Believe me, I'm, I'm not the bad GM for nothing, okay? I, I, <laughs> I have to keep it simple for myself. So let's get building, shall we? Now, before we carve out a road or build a building, we need to think about something. How much weirdness do we want to have in our game? For Deadlands, that's a pretty important question, since you can go from 0 to 11, and yes, I did watch Spinal Tap as a kid, on your weirdness meter in your game. And really, the amount of weirdness you want in your game is, in my opinion anyway, going to help you determine where you put your opening town. I mean, if you want a level 8 amount of weirdness right out of the gate, then you're going to want to put your town in an area with lots of Civil War activity or at least activity adjacent, since lots of war means lots of carnage, which in this game leads to a whole lot of weirdness going on. It also helps to think about what kind of encounters and activities you want going on in your town. Let me break that down a little bit and explain what I mean, though I'm pretty sure you got it. I just want to make sure. If you're looking for more of a big city feel with encounters with lots of different organizations and groups, then you're probably going to want to use a big city rather than a small town or village. For the record, there's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, if you want to do that, you can go about it in one of two ways. Option one, recreate the city you want the way you want it to be circa 1876. Option two, You can check out Pinnacle Entertainment Group's books on the North and South, which are available at PEGINC.com. Those two books cover most of the major cities of the North and South, and it would save you some work since Shane Lacey Hensley did the work once already. Personally, if I was going to do a large city, I think I'd do a little Google Foo and research the city from that time and build it the way I wanted it so the vision in my head would work better. But hey, you use the method that works best for you. For this show and for my game, I decided that I want to start my players out in a small-ish town. My reasoning is that it forces me to focus on the story and keep that story simple rather than coming up with a ton of convoluted stuff with this organization and that organization being involved. 
You'd have to have played in my last D&D game to really understand why my thinking went there, but let's just agree that I way overcomplicated my last game. So, small town it is. From the aspect of weirdness, I don't want a bunch of it to start with. For me, I've got three players in my game who have never played Deadlands, and two of them haven't really done a whole lot of tabletop gaming at all. And since I haven't actually run Deadlands in like a decade or so, the two in my group who have played it before haven't played it in that length of time, so they're going to be relearning the rules along with me. So that means let's keep the weirdness level low to start with, but we can be willing to increase it as we go along. That also means the placement of our little town will need to take the future of the campaign into account. Now let's talk about placement. This is a larger decision than you might think it is, and it's really because you have to decide what government or rules you want to play by. If you're setting your town east of the Mississippi, then you have to decide whether it's going to be in the north or south, and that means the laws of either the U.S. or the C.S. are going to come into play. From a GM standpoint, it does provide you with some good options. Since you've got U.S. Marshals or Texas Rangers, you can sprinkle in with some frequency. Plus, you can always have the break in the war come to a temporary end and put your players into a battle, if you so choose. It also allows for your players to be involved in espionage or other engagements for either government, and the stakes would be higher because of actually being in the North or the South. If you don't want to go quite that far, then you've got the option of heading to Utah. But that's got its own built-in issues, as Brigham Young rules the land with an iron fist. For the record, this is a fictionalized version of Brigham Young, but for those of us who've read a lot of history, it's not really that fictionalized. Just saying. You could always have your town be in one of the areas controlled by Native Americans. If your players are primarily Native American, that would be a good choice. But if not, you'd have to do a bunch of extra work to explain why all of these non-Native folks are hanging out in this area. It's not impossible to do, but I'm lazy and I don't want to do that much work. At least not at the start. You could be in what's left of California, but if you read the books, you'll probably make the same decisions I have. It's a bad place to visit, and I sure as heck don't want to live there. Sorry. That leaves the disputed territories, and for me specifically, the state of Kansas. You don't have to choose Kansas. You've got a few other options should you decide to use them, but I have my reasons for choosing Kansas. The southwest corner of the state didn't have a lot of large cities in it in 1876. That means I can create a town out of whole cloth, drop it in that corner, and be reasonably certain I'm not interfering with a town or city that's already there. Now, you don't have to think about that when you're creating if you really don't want to. I mean, you could replace Cincinnati with a city of your creation if you really wanted to. Again, I don't want to do that much work. I just want to create a small town and figure out how to link it into the network of towns and cities that do exist in the game. For me, that's the other reason for choosing the southwest corner of Kansas. I could put it in a spot where we're about six days west of Dodge City, at least that many days south of Denver, and more than that east from Santa Fe and Tombstone. We're also just far enough north to be out of the way of the CSA and their various political machinations. Or to put it more simply, this town will be isolated enough to basically force the players to rely on themselves and the resources they can acquire from within it, but not so far away that they can't turn tail and run if they need to. 
Again, at the beginning, I want to give the players room to feel out their characters as well as get the game mechanics down. And truth be told, I need that same room since, like I said, I haven't run Deadlands in at least a decade. Now, if you don't want to go through this much work, but you'd like to be in Kansas, the Marshall's Guide lays out Dodge City for you. Shane Lacey Hensley did a really good job of detailing Dodge City in 1876, and he populates it with enough interesting people and businesses that you could just plop your group in there and run. Should you choose to do that, hey, I'm good with it. After all, why do more work than you have to, right? However, for me, I know that at some point during this game, I'm going to have my players head for either Tombstone or Dodge City, or maybe both. So, with that in mind, I don't want to start there. So, now that I've decided where I want my town and how big or small I want it, I've got three questions I need to answer. One, mining, farming, or cattle town? Two, how close to a railroad? Three, how close to a larger city? Well, we've already answered question three, since I've got it about six days west from Dodge City, and that's the closest big city to it. Looking at question one, you could reasonably go with any of them. Farming is huge in Kansas to this very day, so a farming community wouldn't be much of a stretch. You could also justify a cattle town, because in the Deadlands timeline, Texas is still Confederate territory. Now, that doesn't mean the cattle drives don't still head north to Dodge City in Wichita, but it can mean that Northern interests decided to raise cattle on the Kansas Plains. At least, that's how I would choose to do it if I made that choice. And there's a dozen other possibilities you could use to justify that choice if you wanted to. For my money, a mining town is the winner, and let me tell you why. Mines give me the opportunity to drop in some weird nasties without having to clear out a cemetery or otherwise figure out why these weird undead things are plaguing the town. Plus, I can justify dropping in a couple of them, which should be plenty of challenge for my group. So, mining town it is. Last, let's look at the question about railroads. Well, the rails run to Dodge City, so I don't think I want them too close to my town. Or they can be close, but with no station, so I wouldn't see it being real easy for my players to just hop a train. Then again, if you've met my players, the easiest way to get them to do something is to tell them they're not allowed to do it. <laughs> just saying. But we're going to assume they play nice with me to start with, and we'll just not have a train station in or near town. I'll argue the rails run a day or so south of town, though I'm willing to adjust that before we start if need be. Okay, so we've got the size of the town, its location, its nearest big town, the location of the railroad, and what kind of town we're dealing with here. So let's flip the page on the notepad and figure out a few more things. The age of the town needs to be taken into consideration. I mean, is this a mining town where the mines are playing out? Are we in mid-boom for whatever's being mined? Or are we on the cusp of a boom? The decision made here makes a lot of difference, as it plays into how many businesses are in town, how many citizens are around, as well as the condition of the buildings and the size of the graveyard, or the number of graveyards. I mean, back in the day, each church seemed to have its own, so it would reason that an older town might have a couple of churches in it. Again, you choose the one that works best for you. You know your style and what you and your players like, so make that call and go with it. You can still use pretty much everything I'm doing here regardless of what choice you make. For me, my town's on the cusp of a boom. 
I actually decided that the second I decided I was doing a mining town. We've seen dozens of movies and television shows where the town is either in the middle of the boom or has just been played out. So to me, there's possible story to tell in the town that has just started to hit and is about to hit bigger. This choice will also dictate how many buildings are in town, and I'll get to that in a minute. I do need to settle one more thing before we start looking at buildings, and that's what exactly is being mined in my town. Now, the easy call would be to say it's Ghost Rock, which is a creation of Shane Lacey Hensley's for the game. But again, once you've read through the books a couple of times, you realize that Ghost Rock comes with its own built-in issues. Besides, according to the book, there aren't any Ghost Rock deposits in Kansas. That's why the rail lines are competing to get to California. I mean, you could do it anyway and just explain it away with a wave of your hand. And if you want to do that, hey, be my guest. If it works for you, let it work for you. So if I'm not using Ghost Rock, what could they possibly be mining here? This, this is where I got a little geeky. I, uh, I decided to throw it at my Google machine and pulled up the site for the Kansas Geological Service to find out what kinds of minerals are actually mined in southwest Kansas. Like I said, I got a little geeky. I discovered that both lead and zinc have been found and mined in the region. That meant that, for me, it would be totally plausible that someone discovered these minerals here and began mining them. For all I know, I could be telling the real story of how the minerals were discovered. Probably not, but it's always possible, right? Oh, and for those not aware, you can make good money mining zinc and lead and could have probably made more money mining it in 1876. Not as much as silver or gold and certainly not as much as ghost rock, but enough that you could make decent coin for a hard day's work and it came with the added bonus of not having people wanting to jump your claim, in theory. So, with all of my major questions answered, we can actually place this town on our 1876 map of Kansas. Figuratively. I mean, I'm a geek, but not that big of one. I didn't print off an 1876 map of Kansas. So, we're in southwest Kansas, about a six-day ride from Dodge City, about a day east of the Colorado state line, and about two days northeast of the Oklahoma state line. For the record, the reason I didn't put it physically on a map is because the math required to do it and then do it accurately is a lot more than I wanted to do. What you need to know and remember is this. If you say your town is six days west of Dodge City, it needs to always be six days west of Dodge City. If it's six days one game and only four the next, you're going to start having a credibility problem and your players will find a way to take advantage of that at some point. So, being historically or realistically accurate isn't necessarily important. Being consistent is. Next up, we need to name our town. Well, to me, that tied in with the mines. The name of the town is Triumph, and it got that name from its founder, who's also the man who discovered the zinc and lead deposits and owns the mines they're being taken from. He named it that because the mines are his triumph over the doubters who told him he'd come up empty-handed. It's kind of like Tombstone getting its name because the founder was told the only thing he'd find down there was his tombstone. I also came up with a couple of other background bits for the town while I was working on the mining part in the name. I decided that the minerals were discovered about a year ago, but the fellow who discovered them kept them pretty much a secret for three or four months. 
Once he started telling his friends and family, the secret got out. So to capitalize on his find, he started the town of Triumph about six months ago and formed a mining company that controls two of the three mines in the area. Having dated the town gives us another important piece of information to work with. Since it's only six months old, it's not going to be very big. Think about it. The majority of the people in the town are going to probably be miners. Those that are left are going to be business people handling services for those miners. Probably not going to be just a lot of regular citizens running around here. Taking that into account, I decided that Triumph's a one-street town, but that street does sit on the major stagecoach line that runs to Santa Fe. So, with all this information in mind, we need to figure out what buildings we absolutely need, and if we've got any space left, what we would want to put there. For me, a tavern's a must. Yes, it's the oldest western trope out there, but there's a reason for it. You've got a bunch of thirsty miners with money in their pocket. They're going to want to drink and gamble, so you know somebody thought to build a tavern for their usage. You can decide for yourself how big you want it to be, but I went with two floors. My reasoning for this is that the rooms upstairs can be rented out if the owner wants to, but otherwise they might house the barkeep and anyone else who works there. You fill them however you want. I'm just offering ideas here. Another building we absolutely need is a general store. Again, these miners are going to need things. And while you could just have a little company store near the mines, having the stagecoach run through allows for an actual general store to be a viable option. I'm also thinking that a blacksmith is a must-have. While they probably specialize in making tools for the miners, they can also handle horseshoes and other items. And if you're going to have a blacksmith, you might as well have stables. Doesn't really take that much more space, and if the smith owns the stables or vice versa, it certainly makes a lot of sense to do both. But again, that's your call. Now, a restaurant isn't a must-have. You could choose to have the tavern also serve food. There's nothing wrong with that. And would also explain the need for the second floor to be housing for everybody who works there. I almost went that direction, but I decided not to. My thought was that, again, the stagecoach comes through. Maybe they stop here, maybe they don't. But if the stage comes through, that also means riders on horseback come through as well, and they're going to want to stop a little more often. That means you need two things, a restaurant and either a boarding house or a hotel. So, obviously I went with the restaurant, and I chose a boarding house over a hotel, and I did that because the town's a bit new to need the number of rooms a hotel would bring. I figured that the boarding house tends to have several open rooms at any given time, which gives my players a place to tuck their characters in for the night. I also decided that the boarding house and the restaurant have a deal whereby renting a room at the boarding house comes with a certain amount of credit for a meal at the restaurant. I'll figure out the specifics later, but again, in my mind, it made sense. Now, for me, those are all the buildings you absolutely need. However, I decided there were some that I wanted. I decided Triumph needs a jail. I mean, the miners don't get too rowdy, but my thought was that with the town being new and with the money just coming out of the ground, there might be those who'd like to rob the town. Ergo, a jail and a town marshal. Plus, I can use the town marshal to feed missions to the players. That's a win-win for me. On that note, you don't need a town marshal to be able to credibly feed missions to your players. You can use the mayor, the bartender, the owner of the general store. Heck, you can use the town minister if you want. Again, this is me encouraging you to make your town work the way you want it to.
I also decided that Triumph has a bank. It's not very large, probably one teller and a decent-sized safe, but it's the safe that I decided the town needed. Again, the town's on the cusp of a boom, which means there's a decent amount of money coming out of the ground and the minerals being mined. That kind of money requires a higher level of security, and in 1876, that meant a big old safe. Story-wise, I decided that the bank is owned and run by the same fellow who owns the general store. I also decided that this fellow was a friend of the town founder, but rather than mine for his money, he decided to make it off the backs of those who were mining. We'll do more on that next week. I decided to add a laundry to the town, because with the town being primarily the people who work in it, they probably don't have the time to do their own washing, but they probably do have the money. So a laundry it is. Not a very big building, and the person or people who do the laundry probably live there as well. Now, I, I did decide to add one more building, and I'm going to explain this in as much of a PG manner as I can. With the miners and the money coming in, I realized Triumph would probably have what was known as an entertainment house. That's as much explanation as I can give and keep it PG. Google it if you need to know more. And... Realize if you're going to do this, you need to be responsible with it. Don't, don't play it for the ha-has, okay? All right, moving on. With our buildings figured out, now we need to place them. First thing we need to decide is where the mines are, because that will determine the placement of certain buildings. For me, they're about a half an hour's walk northeast of town, and there's a trail that heads that way. So knowing that, we can now lay out our town and our street. Again, you can lay out the buildings however you want. I'm just showing you what I did as a suggestion. In my mind, there are three buildings I want the miners to see first thing when they get into town. The saloon, the general store, and the entertainment house. I'm not worried about the boarding house because I've got a small tent camp on the west side of the mines that the miners probably sleep in. Oh, and before I forget, and for those of you who are actually graphing this out as I go, the road's about 25 feet wide, for me, that allows for riders to hitch their horses to posts outside of the businesses on both sides of the street and would still allow for stagecoaches to pass each other on the street. It'd get a little tight, but it'll work. And the street runs east to west. So right to left, left to right, however you want to do that. Okay, on the northwest corner of the street, I've got the tavern with the entertainment house next door. There's a five-foot alleyway between them, but that's more or less because I didn't want the buildings connected. I put the general store on the southwest corner of the street with the bank next door to it. Unlike the previous two buildings, however, these two are connected. Makes sense, since they're owned by the same person. The only other building on the south side of the street is the stable and blacksmith, but I'm putting it much farther down the street, and I'll explain why in a minute. Going back to the north side of the street, I left a bit of a gap between the entertainment house and the next business, which is the boarding house. And there's going to be a five-foot alleyway between that and the restaurant. Now we're going to skip to the northeast corner of the street. I put the jail there. It's a two-cell jail, so size it accordingly. On the southeast corner, I put the stables and the blacksmith. The reason for that is because I wanted it accessible by the town marshal when he's bringing arrestees in. I also figure he's probably keeping his horse there. And since I have it, I put the laundry about equal distance on the north side of the street between the jail and the restaurant. Now, 
Size the buildings as you see fit and don't worry about open spaces. We can assume those open spaces will be filled with houses or tents and other businesses as the town grows. In fact, there could still be some tents there right now from the miners or from some of the people that are running these businesses. Your choice. Also, I see the entire street being no longer than about two blocks. So it's not like there's going to be a ton of open real estate there. Just saying. With Triumph basically set, I wanted to take a second to toss out a couple of more ideas. Does Triumph have a cemetery, or in the parlance of the time, a boot hill? I say yes. I mean, mining is a dangerous profession, so it's entirely plausible that there have been a few deaths in the mines. And transporting bodies home, wherever that might have been, would not have really been possible or plausible. So yes, Triumph has a cemetery. It's a couple dozen yards south of the stables, and it has three or four wooden crosses in it. Are there any farmers around the town? Again, this is your call. You could also ask if there's a ranch in the area if you wanted. I've decided there are two farms within two miles of Triumph. They're both to the north of town, and they're only about a quarter of a mile apart. I'm brewing up a backstory here, but we might get to that next week. Might not. We'll see. Okay, so that's Triumph. At least that's Triumph as we start our game. Now, you don't have to use any of the buildings I suggested. Use more or less if you want. And if you've got an idea I didn't think of, go with that. You can also share that idea with all of us if you'd like, and I'll give you the info on how to do that in a minute. I also wanted to acknowledge that many of you don't live in the U.S., so you might not have the grasp of U.S. history in the Wild West. If you don't want to set the game in the Wild West of the United States circa 1876, that doesn't mean you can't play the game. Au contraire. Set it up wherever you want. I mean, the United Kingdom of 1876 was pretty interesting as well, so there'd be plenty of opportunity to bring the weirdness of Deadlands to the UK. Obviously, the governmental setup would be different, but if you want to put the work in, I can see it being a lot of fun, especially if somebody has to play Queen Victoria. Same thing holds true throughout Europe and Asia. And like I said, if you decide to do something like that, please hit me up and share. I'd love to see what you're doing. Also, if you're working on your campaign and you want some more advice, I'm always available to help. Email me at badgmproductions at gmail.com and I'll do everything I can to offer advice. Heck, we might even bring your issue onto the show and see what advice our listeners have. Okay, so with Triumph laid out, we need to populate the city. Once we do that, we're going to work up characters for our campaign. That's the plan for next week's episode, so you won't want to miss that. I realize we're only one episode into a new podcast, but if you've liked what you've heard so far, please do me a favor, and if your podcast source allows it, give us the best possible review that you can. That helps the algorithms they use, pushes up the list of suggested podcasts, and that helps us grow course you could also tell a friend or 10 about us and that would work too our episodes will be dropping every friday at midnight u.s central time just so you know the music that we're using for this show comes from musa production from pixabay.com bad gm's campaign build along is a production of bad gm productions you can follow us on facebook bad gm productions twitter at bad gmp We've got a YouTube channel, Bad GM Productions. We've got a Twitch channel, Bad GM. I mentioned this a minute ago, but let's mention it again for grins and giggles. We've got an email account, badgmproductions at gmail.com. 
And we will have our website up in the next couple of weeks, I hope. So be looking for us at badgmproductions.com. Shout us out. Let us know what you think of the new show. I cannot wait to hear from you. Next week, we'll climb back in the saddle and populate the town of Triumph, Kansas. Then we'll create characters for our campaign. Until then, I'm the Bad GM, Wayne Davis, and this has been Bad GM's Campaign Builder. Thank you.